Welcome to episode 90 of All About Fitness. On this episode, I catch up with PJ Stahl. PJ is a personal trainer, educator, and entrepreneur living in Los Santos, California. PJ has an interesting background as a collegiate athlete and as a strength and conditioning coach. He's worked with top professional athletes and living in Los Angeles, you know he's also worked with a couple of celebrities. When I first met PJ a couple years ago, one of the things that really stood out and impressed me was he got his master's degree from one of the top exercise science schools in the country. So he's not just one of these people living in LA saying, you know, listen to me, I train celebrities, but he's a very strong background in strength and conditioning and in exercise. In addition to his education, he also spent a couple of years working with one of the top performance centers in our country, helping people prepare for their roles as athletes or in some cases as performers. On this episode of All About Fitness, PJ and I talk about some of the techniques and strategies that he uses with both celebrities and the everyday client. PJ also shares some insights about what celebrities do to attain their appearance getting ready for a film. But more importantly, he shares how you can apply some of those same strategies to your life to help you get the results that you want. So after a brief word from the sponsor of All About Fitness, it's an honor to sit down with PJ Stahl, entrepreneur, owner of Lockbox Gym in LA, California, and developer of Project Steel, a fitness program that can help you push past your limits. Just a little note, there's a little background noise that I couldn't get rid of with the editing software, but you're in store for an excellent conversation about how to use fitness to get the results you want. What is part bench, part balance trainer, part stability ball, part jump box, and all results? The TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Specially designed to help enhance balance, strength, agility, and metabolic conditioning, the TerraCore is quickly becoming the go-to piece of workout equipment used by fitness professionals around the world. Whether you're training to earn that eight-figure contract or just trying to get in better shape, the TerraCore will help you achieve results you never thought possible. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, the shape of things to come. Go to www. V-I-C-O-R-E fitness.com and use code AAF that's all about fitness AAF to save 20% on the purchase of a TerraCore My name is Pete McCall with All About Fitness and I'm here today with PJ Stahl out of Los Angeles, California PJ, can you give us a little bit of background about what you do in the fitness industry? Yeah, thank you Pete, I'm PJ Stahl, I own a fitness center called Lockbox Fitness and Performance Center in Los Angeles, where we have everything from personal training, group fitness classes, CrossFit, a class that I created called Project Steel. We do Olympic lifting, mobility, powerlifting, you know, a really all-encompassing kind of system at the gym. And then outside of that, I do fitness consulting work for different companies. Uh, I work for Reebok. I'm a Reebok ambassador and master coach. I also work for Power Systems as a master coach and educator, and I travel with them. And I actually just launched another company called Form First, which is a company that can create custom branded fitness apps. 
so that trainers and gyms and businesses can actually learn how to monetize their business through technology trends. Uh, they're only 24 hours in a day. How do you how do you find time to make all that stuff happen? <laughs> I mean, yeah. The scheduling. Yeah, my every minute is accounted for for within my schedule. I have to optimize my time, you know, to the fullest and make sure that when I'm putting in 100%, uh, you know, I really really put that in. There's a book called The Power of Full Potential. Um, and that book really optimizes and taught me. I read it when I was 20 I think I was 22. I was in undergrad and, um, it really taught me how to take the time when you have to work and put 100% in. And then when you don't have to work, put 100% in not working. And that was probably my biggest lesson is how to, how to let go and make sure that I, I can fully recover outside of my working hours. So of all, all the stuff that you do, what's your favorite? Is it coaching? Is it working with a organization like a corporate client? Is it teaching workshops for other trainers? What's your, what's your favorite thing that, you know, your, the area where you'd like to spend most of your time or you enjoy, I guess be the word, enjoy spending most of your time? Um, I, I guess I would say two, there's two places. Um, educating trainers and coaches is one of my, I mean, my heart is there. I, if I feel like I can help that individual coach or trainer become better at what they do, improve their craft, improve their business and their life, I know that they're going to go and have that effect on other people. So for me, it's kind of education and then transference through the fitness community. And then the second one would really be, I think this, this advancement in technology and programming that I've really gotten involved in in the past two years and teaching people how to truly grow their business. And, you know, for myself, my entire background is science uh, and a little bit of business. I, I did take business in graduate school, but, but my degree was kinesiology in undergrad. Grad was uh, exercise physiology and business and athletic administration. So that tech side and that, that technology realm wasn't really part of, part of my career. And, and learning and integrating that and being able to teach other people how to use it uh, has been a huge kind of uh, exciting new thing within my career that I, that I love doing. Well, that's cool because I think we are moving to we we are definitely evolving to using more tech, and I, want, I do want to come back to that. How did you get started in fitness? Do you have a do you have an athletic background? I mean, what what got you kicked off on this on this journey? Yeah, so when I was a kid, I played t-ball originally, so like baseball, and my dad was a coach for it. Did that then growing up, you know, played little league, farm league, all those just kind of baseball-based sports when I was small, right? Like even like super young, like three, four, five. And then my sister got involved in gymnastics and we would have to go pick her up. So when we would go in to pick her up, I would be sitting there watching her like jump on trampolines and jump in those crazy, like cool foam pits. And I was like, what is this? Like she gets to go like play around and have fun in this crazy jungle gym while I'm like out on a field chasing balls around. So I was like, I want to get, I was like, I want to get in that gym and, uh, and, and be able to play because I just thought it looked fun. And actually my mom signed me up for gymnastics with my sister and within two to three weeks of me being there, the, you know, the head coach came up to my mom and asked if I wanted to start training for preteen because I could do, I mean, I don't know my body. I just knew how to do like handstands and cartwheels and back walkovers, front handsprings. Like I just, my body knew how to do it. And he was like, if your kid can do this, this young, 
you should progress. So I wound up becoming a gymnast, trained my entire life for it, went to Michigan State as a gymnast. Um, after the, my freshman year, though, they actually cut the men's program, which was a little disappointing, but the diving team actually recruited me, and I trained three times a day for the entire summer to teach myself how to become a diver because I knew how to flip. I just didn't know how to land on my head because I was, <laughs> I was, I mean, you're taught your whole life, right? You're taught your whole life. The only thing you can't do is land on your head. And then I go to diving and they're like, the only thing you have to do is land on your head. <laughs> and I, w- I was so bad at it when I started. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't land on my head for the life of me. But, um, but after training three times, three times a day for uh, three and a half months, I tried out for the team and I made it. And I wound up diving for three years at Michigan State to finish off my, my collegiate uh, sports career there, which was awesome. And that ultimately led me into to fitness you know that love for sport for conditioning for training you know as a kid I didn't realize everything I was learning about challenging and training your body through flexibility strength and endurance and power to apply it into sport application and that you know that really I guess intrigued me and continued to as I as I grew up and so when you study start studying kinesiology you study kinesiology at Michigan State what was your plan with it? Did you want to go into coaching? Because I think we're we're pretty much I think we're close to the same age. So when we were in college, BJ, it wasn't like fitness was a established career field. What was your plan um, in studying kines? Yeah, kinesiology was a new department. It was in the Department of Physical Education at Michigan State, and my goal um, originally was to train professional athletes. And hands down, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So. In undergrad, I wound up becoming the undergraduate strength and conditioning coach, and I wound up um, working with Tim, Tim Wakeham, who is one of my biggest mentors still today, who's taught me you know, life lessons within fitness and in sports. And I worked with over 11 different Olympic sports teams had like the time of my life training and learning how to apply specific strength and conditioning training into sports application. After that, went to grad school, same thing. I was like, I need to continue my education so that I can become, you know, an actual strength and conditioning coach for sports performance. Um, Once I finished grad school, that didn't happen right away. I applied at a company called Athletes Performance, which most people know now it's actually called Exos. But um, but at the time it was athlete performance. I did an internship there, which was amazing, and they didn't have a spot open right out of grad school for me. A year and a half after living in Chicago, I got a phone call, and they said, you know, pick at any location where you want to go and what you want to do. We want to hire you, and I actually became a sports performance specialist for athlete performance. That's pretty cool. How long did you work with AP? I worked for AP for almost two years. That's how and why I moved to California. I chose the California location and worked there for almost two years. After working there for two years, as much as I loved working in sports performance, the crazy thing was I learned that my passion was actually working with everyday people and applying everything that I've learned, that science, that technology, and that sport application into everyday life and creating injury-free, happy, motivated people that are just, you know, everyday, uh, you know, life goers. Well, and how would you describe, because those are two, 
I always like to I always like to use the analogy of a planet. You know, strength and conditioning for athletes lives on the same planet as commercial fitness, but I would say they're probably on completely different continents. How would you describe the difference between what you're doing with athletes to strength and conditioning and how the average person approaches fitness? So for the <laughs> it's very, very true because the system behind everything is the same. You know, yeah. when someone comes in, we do an assessment. You know, we do, I do functional movement screens with all my clients. We did functional movement screens with all of our athletes. You know, we assess dysfunction, we correct dysfunction, and then we create for athletes, you know, depending on what their entire goal is, but we create a, a goal plan based on performance. For my clients, I usually create a, a compound goal because there's usually an aesthetic and there's performance. And performance might not be you know, performing on the football field or, you know, performing in a swimming pool, but it might be, you know, doing a, a Spartan race, a Reebok Spartan race, or being able to, you know, go on a bike ride with your kids or do a hike with your spouse, you know, different things that are actually activities of daily living that become sports performance related, that they need to be happy and healthy and able to perform. And that, that same application of training, conditioning, and getting this person in the shape to be able to perform those, those tasks, I attack it in almost a, a pretty similar way. The intensity is a little bit shifted based on, uh, you know, power output. But other than that, typically it's, it's pretty close to the same. Well, do you think that's been a big evolution in, in fitness in the last maybe five to 10 years is we seem to be training, like you said, the average person, we seem to be applying these elite strength conditioning principles to them. Is that a trend that you've noticed? Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I, I feel like with the progression of learning more about dysfunction and having within really the, the technology world and the availability of learning from physical therapists, you know, learning from Gray Cook, learning from mobility experts like Kelly Starrett, and, and having the ability to, to really see and assess dysfunction to correct it, I think is now becoming a standard protocol within, you know, personal training and coaching. Uh, the, you know, the clients and members at gyms and studios, as opposed to it only being limited for fitness professionals. Yeah, I think I think it's really opened up with that. And, and is that what you do? I mean, in your in your gym in LA, what type of people do you train there? Who do you who do you see coming in there? Like, who's your most frequent, most regular member or, or customer? Um, we have a range. I would say our, I guess our biggest demographic is going to be thirty. To about 45, 32 to 45. We skew a little heavier uh, towards men. I would say it's about 65% men. And we, you know, within that demographic, a lot of our, our clients are mixed. You know, some have never done athletic sports or any sports performance, any athleticism, any training, you know, they've never even stepped in a gym before. And then we have other people that have been, you know, collegiate athletes, uh, or, and or professional athletes that come and train with some of our trainers independently. Well, so it really is a combo. What do you think is more challenging? Is it more challenging to take somebody who hasn't really done that much advanced exercise and teach them how to do advanced moves? Or is it harder to take somebody that maybe has been through a collegiate strength and conditioning program and maybe 
unlearn some, help them unlearn some bad habits, which tends to be more, I mean, it's not, that's a, I, a loaded question, but it is, yeah, which, I, which think is worse. It's, which is more really, challenging. it's so true. I actually just had this conversation two days ago with one of my, uh, one of my head coaches and we would much rather have someone come in that's never done any of these movements before because we can teach them the correct way from the beginning and to help create true strategic plans outside of deviation to create modifications to progress a movement as opposed to taking someone that, you know, depending on where they've learned it or if they've taught themselves or they've learned it the wrong way from, from a system uh, or a structure that maybe doesn't have, you know, the correct process or form behind it, that you now are have to first work backwards, which the athlete is totally against because now you think they think you're holding them back. And then you've got to reprogram them and retrain neuromuscular patterns. And not only that, but sometimes there's imbalances that have been created that now you have to fix before you can reprogress them. So for me, I'd much rather take a brand new athlete that's never done anything and, and start them fresh, build them up strong from the beginning. And I think why, the reason why I asked that, I would agree in my experience, the reason why I asked that, PJ, is in case any listeners are out there, you know, they hear you, you hear us talking about this stuff, which might be advanced. And I think sometimes people tell themselves they can't do it. Oh, that's not for me. They might see really hard workout going on. They might tell themselves, they might have this story in their head. They're not an athlete. But in your experience, is, doesn't everybody have some inherent athletic ability? It, you know, they just have to discover it. Yeah, our tagline for our gym, well, the gym's called Lockbox, and the tagline is Unlock Your Inner Athlete, because everyone has athleticism, and everyone has, you know, their own individual movement abilities that, that can be utilized, and my mom was born with cerebral palsy, and she, from, I mean, from the time I was three years old and I can understand, you know, what she could say. She's pretty much taught me to never let anyone hold themselves back for their abilities or their beliefs in themselves or what they're capable of. And because of that and learning from her what she did in her life and what she was capable of with a disability has proved to me that, you know, we really have no excuses. And, uh, and, and that's really what I stand by within the gym. Well, I think it's, I think for, for people out there, I think a lot of times people tell themselves what they can't do. I can't mm -hmm. do this or I can't do that instead of focusing on what they can do. What happens when somebody starts realizing that they can be an athlete or they can train doing this, you know, doing these athletic movements? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really astonishing to kind of see the development of movement patterns and with everyone in all of our classes. We do all body weight movements first. You know, we do all patterns, all pushing patterns, pulling patterns, squatting, lunging, deadlifting, hinging. You know, we go through all of those with body weight only. And then we progress into the pattern with a dowel, you know, just a PVC pipe. But every single member does it. We don't skip over any movements for anyone. You only progress when you're ready to. So the, the cool thing is, is to see the athletes, you know, that that have just started a couple, you know, they're only a week or a couple days in 
and they're starting to learn and see the progress and they're watching everyone, but everyone's doing the same thing, right? Where we all use our body, then we all use our dowel, then we can go to a training bar, then you can go to a 35 pound bar, then you can move to a, you know, a 45 pound barbell, but, but everyone does the same progression. So, so no one really feels like they're behind. They just feel like they're in the next step to their own personal progression because that's how it should feel. It should feel customized to them. And when they get to progress and get to move on and they feel like their their function and the coach's approval to move to the next step, no matter what the movement is, is extremely exciting because we get that feeling of performance again. We get that feeling of progress and learning. And sometimes I feel like within life now, we don't have that opportunity to be challenged and to learn new things. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but I, 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 I totally get that because if I do the same job or if I have a job where I kind of do the same thing every day, it gets rote. It gets very, you know, it gets very systemized and, and so I'm going through the process and, and every day becomes repetitive. But then all of a sudden I come in to work out with you or I come into to lockbox. Now I'm being challenged different ways. Does, does, do you see people kind of, when they start working out with you, does this change not only their physical ability, but do you see it open up other parts of their life as well? Yeah, it definitely does. We, I've gotten some really amazing like testimonials that of people that, you know, maybe have some social anxiety or, you know, don't feel connected with, with other people or with friends. Because again, I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect where people go to work, they do their job, they come home and, you know, they have that connection with maybe their family or their really close friends, but outside of that circle, they don't have human interaction where they get to, you know, cheer each other on and connect and push each other and learn things together in a very supportive, connected community. And, um, and that's really the biggest thing is that people feel like they have a community that supports them. Um, my little brother, I mean, this was probably the best story that, you know, that I've heard. And this wasn't specifically at my facility, but it was a CrossFit facility in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. It's CrossFit worthy. They're amazing. But, um, but he went in there and, you know, he, he felt like it was the first time that he really had 100% support from everyone within the community, no matter what, because he was like, even if I wasn't the most fit on some of the cardio movements or gymnastics movements, you know, I felt strong on some of the strength stuff and they never judged me for anything that I wasn't good at. They only saw it as potential to become better and everyone supports you through it, which is, which is huge within the CrossFit community. And I think that's, you know, listening to you say that, one of the things I've really noticed of this, the last few years of this high intensity, whether it's CrossFit or other types of high intensity programming, is I see, I see, PJ, that once people learn some of these complex lifts, or once people maybe start deadlifting who've never deadlifted before, does, don't, doesn't that give them some kind of self-confidence? Don't you see the change in some people when all of a sudden they can deadlift 200 pounds, maybe 300 pounds? Doesn't that kind of give them a little bit of a swagger? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can see it in their entire persona. The way that they stand and hold themselves is, is so much more prideful because they feel like, you know, they're, they're utilizing their body to its full potential. And now they're realizing what that is because typically when people come in, they don't know anymore. 
And, and I think one of the things that, that we often mistake, that, that many many consumers often mistake out there, is I think they get in this habit of they go to a gym, they might join a big box health club, and what do most people do at the gym, right? They put on headphones and they, they kind of isolate themselves. Isn't, mm-hmm. when, in your experience, isn't fitness a good opportunity to make, kind of be social and, and to create like a whole social atmosphere? Yeah, we don't allow headphones <laughs> at our gym. I, and sometimes people come in. We do have open gym time in the middle of the day where some people will, you know, wear their headphones and train on their own. But, um, but yeah, it's time to connect and to interact. And we do warm-up games with each other where you have to partner up. Every Saturday we have partner and team workouts where you have to work with other members. And and it really it, it breaks down barriers and, and establishes bonds and new connections that you normally wouldn't have. So it's definitely, definitely worth it. And I feel like fitness can be fun, and that's the place to do it. It's like recess all over again. And it's not going to keep you too much longer, but I want to ask you, you're in L.A., I mean, you know, you work in Los Angeles, and you've worked with a few high-profile clients. What is it? Why are we so fascinated? I mean, you're in the mix of it, you know, so maybe you don't see it. But for the rest of the country, you, you see the rest of the country is always so fascinated by this celebrity trainer, that celebrity trainer. And one of the things, I mean, I respect, I have an immense amount of respect for you, and you're not one of these people who's trying to capture or trying to use that to build credibility. Why do you think we're so enamored by trainers who might work with celebrities? What, what do you think? Why do you think that is? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, the, the celebrities are iconic, aesthetic symbols within society. You know, we look to them for, you know, their physique and, and, idealize that within our persona or perception of what, you know, good looking is or what, uh, you know, what attractive is. And, and I think if, you know, people try to find what that, you know, that magic pill is. And, and I think, you know, utilizing that as, you know, well, who do they train with? What does that trainer do? What is their system or how did they get them in that shape? I, I think they just attach, you know, that, that badge to that, that trainer and say, you know, this person must be amazing to be able to work or change or transform bodies that are, that are seen all over the world as, as icons. Um, in the same way that I think, uh, you know, sometimes within sports performance, you know, coaches and, and strength and conditioning programs where, where they need to, to elicit a performance based goal as opposed to sometimes an aesthetic goal for, you know, for actors or musicians. Um, you know, they get that same badge and that, that award for saying, Hey, like, you know, you're the one that has really helped create and establish these performance goals the same way that that potential celebrity trainers have, have been attached to aesthetic goals for people. Well, and I think that's, a, that's a, I mean, I, I would agree. I would, I would definitely agree. And I like the way you say we kind of hold these people up as icons because I think that's true. And I think, you know, this is for the, the listener out there because you see these magazines, you know, so-and-so looks like this, so-and-so looks like that. But I think it's always important to take a step back and say, well, if you're working with a performer who maybe has a movie contract or who maybe is going on a, a concert tour, don't they have a finite date that they have to be in a certain shape by or they have to be at a certain fitness level by? Yeah, they have a specific timeline. So a good example is, <clears throat> so when I worked at Athlete Performance, um, 
David Beckham was training uh, with LA Galaxy. So he had specific sports performance goals for soccer. But he also was going to be doing an underwear ad campaign. And I trained him for, you know, a year and a half straight to get him ready for his ad campaign. And, you know, people don't realize sometimes that, like you said, there's specific goals and specific tasks within different things. And a cool thing was, is that he kind of had a combination, you know, he had to work specifically with certain coaches that I also worked with some of my colleagues that, that had deliverables for performance. And then I had aesthetic deliverables for him that we had to get his body ready uh, and in shape for his specific ads that he needed to be in. And, uh, and, and that was really, really cool. That was exciting. (laughs) And I'll say he's one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen. I mean, good. So if right. you have to work with that, I mean, you're, you're like working with, uh, you're, you're like working with Michelangelo's David. But, <laughs> but I think but, but the reason why I stand, why, why I ask you this topic, PJ, is I think people should have a realistic understanding because you just said a key word there. You're working with one person who is a professional athlete and a model, but you talked about having a team. So when we look at somebody that might be a performer, and we'll use Mr. Beckham as an example, isn't it true that they have a whole team, that there are nutrition people, there are other things? Doesn't that make play a big role in how some of these icons achieve their appearance? Yeah, usually they do. Most of the time, I would say 90, 99% of the time when I have been hired by, uh, you know, by a celebrity to do work with them, we have created an entire team because we need a nutritionist. We need a trainer. We usually will have maybe a massage therapist or a recovery specialist. We'll have, you know, we work with the entire team. And if there's a production team, I also have to work with production and then work on a schedule because if there's certain scenes that they need to be bathing suit ready, shirtless, um, you know, do they need a progression throughout the, maybe it's a film or a movie and the person needs to lose or gain weight, then that has to be adjusted. So it's a very, very intricate thing and it's extremely science-based, but they have, and most have a team attached to it to get them the best results possible. And, you know, sometimes it, you know, we put these expectations on ourselves and our, and my clients will do the same thing where they're like, well, I want these goals by this day, or I want to achieve this. And, you know, we don't have the luxury of having an entire team around us, providing us with, with everything that we need to get there and, and patience and consistency is really what's going to get anyone there and, and making sure that ultimately I think, you know, based on the three things that I just said that celebrities have, make it a watered down version of those three. Make sure you have a nutrition plan or some type of plan within your, your uh, dietary goals. You have a physical fitness like regimen that you're sticking to, whether it's with a trainer, without, or a combination, and then make sure there's a recovery plan. I feel like a lot of people skip that recovery section and results don't happen unless you're actually rested and your body has the ability to make those changes by by resting up and recovering. All right. I think you can just drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> but but it, it, that's exactly where I wanted to go with that, with that question, PJ, because mm-hmm. I don't think that people realize, you know, because I've heard those questions all the time. I want to look like so-and-so. I want to look like mm-hmm. so-and-so. And it's like, well, do you understand that's their sole job is to put on 10 pounds or lose 20 pounds or whatever it is for that performance. And they don't carry that body the entire year. 
it might get in shape just for a shoot or might get in shape just for a season. And I love that concept that you just described is create your own team. You know, maybe these meal, use one of these meal delivery services and take a look at different aspects. So what type, what role does recovery play? And then we'll, we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes, but what role does recovery play? And what's one of your go-to recovery strategies to, to help your clients? So for me, I put together um, an entire like stretching, foam rolling, and trigger point plan for my clients for post-workout and or off days. So no matter what, you know, there's not an excuse of why not to do it. It's just creating, like I said, like a simple solution to make sure that there is some type of recovery. I've also recommended doing, uh, you know, cryotherapy, which is uh, using a, you know, an, an nitrogen chamber that pretty much kind of freezes you for lack of better words. Right. <laughs> like that fire. But, uh, right. But, uh, but it's super, yeah, it's super short and, um, and it's a lot easier and quicker than, or at least for me, I don't like doing ice baths or cold showers. I would rather just do a quick, uh, you know, two to three minutes in the, in the cryotherapy and be done. But, but typically foam rolling, stretching, trigger point work and potential, uh, you know, custom work with a massage therapist, uh, every once in a while will really help the progress and limit potential overuse injuries or compensations that'll happen because of uh, muscular imbalances. Now, when it comes to high-intensity training, I mean, we know that high-intensity training is good. Can people of any age do high-intensity training? And how often should they be doing it, in your opinion? So high-intensity interval training, uh, to me, this is... One of my, I guess, biggest places of, of kind of research right now is I feel that within the fitness industry, within the past, you know, five years, HIT has been huge and it's been growing. We know the science behind it, right? To get the, you know, the aerobic and anaerobic changes that your that can happen within your body, the fastest way with the shortest amount of time is through true HIT training, where you're going to hit a heart rate range that's high enough to push you past, you know, a peak potential, let's just say 90-ish, maybe above, and then you give yourself, a, you know, full recovery where your heart rate will actually come down to a recovered state before you go again to reach the full potential within what this is. My issue within high-intensity interval training is that people now, I feel, are just doing moderate-intensity interval training where they're working at a moderate level and then recovering and no one's actually hitting those true high levels because either the exercise doesn't truly fit the ability to get your heart rate high enough to do it, or the person isn't in enough shape or doesn't understand the true RPE scale of a 1 to 10 to know how to push to a 9 or 10 because they haven't even trained a base level of aerobic capacity. And within HIIT training, Injury potential increases because usually speed increases, power output increases, and moving at that intensity overall gives the ability or now presents the option that someone could get injured easier. Outside of that, I recommend you know that people do high-intensity interval training with true HIIT protocols and standards of hitting those high ratios of heart rate ranges usually two to three days a week. Outside of that, people need to be doing steady state or aerobic style training, some type of strength training or aerobic training, which is why I actually created 
my program, Project Steel, which we introduced our first class called Rock Steady, which is our OC is Rep Out Conditioning at Steady State Training, which is a new mixed modality class. We use body weight, dumbbells, uh, and that's it. And we've created a new aerobic training class to get people back into steady state training. And before we go any further, I want people to realize that you're not just uh, you're not the trainer. You went to where'd you go? Where'd you do your master's degree? Because that was when we first met. That was the one thing that I noticed right away is where'd you do your master's degree and why? Yeah, my my master's degree was at Ball State University, and they have one of the leading uh, exercise physiology labs in the United States. And the testing and protocols and standards that we had to do within my graduate program were extremely intense, uh, which was great. I mean, that's why I chose that school. Well, and I, I just wanted people to know that because, you know, as soon as you told me you went to Ball State, I knew that you, you, know, you had some serious chops behind you. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I just want listeners to be aware of that. So the Project Steel, because you're getting ready to roll this out for kind of put it out in a big scale. How can people find out more about it? So we have a website called projectsteelfitness.com. This year, we're going to be going to all of the SCWs, and we're going to be going to um, the IDEA World Fitness Convention. We're going to be at IDEA PTI, uh, and we'll be at URSA. So we'll be celebrating a lot of new milestones this year, introducing it, and then within the first quarter, uh, first to second quarter, we'll actually be, be releasing the full certification as well. So that you know, so if the consumers want to find out about this, is there an app? Because you said you're starting, you're, you've started an app company. Will Project Steel be available to consumers via an app, or how will they be able to, to work out with it? Yes, it will. We're actually right now in the process of the the beta testing because we've implemented all of our, our strategies and programming, and we're just waiting to, to actually go for that full launch. But on the website, we have all the information for the app. We have the information for the certifications and then the actual fitness programming for classes and locations where you could take classes. Yeah, and I, I just brought the I just brought the webpage up, and what I'll do for listeners is put that up on put that in the show notes so people can access it. And and the reason why, I mean one of the main reasons why I wanted to to have you on the podcast, PJ, is one I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, but two is to allow you to talk about Project Steel because I really like the fact that you're putting together a program. You have a tremendous amount of experience, but you're using you know really evidence based science. How important is that? Because isn't there just a lot of nonsense out there? How can how what would your suggestion to a consumer be to really find out whether or not a program they're going to do is worth their time or worth the expense? I think the you know the biggest thing is finding out the you know the credibility or the science behind it. Ask your trainers, ask your coaches. You know we we are the experts, and I think doing your research behind a program as well and to to look online and to find the websites and to see what and how they provide the actual true references or statistics behind the the studies that have been done to prove why the program works, how it works, and why it's implemented the way it is, is extremely important. And every single piece 
of Rocksteady by Project Steel has done that. I mean, we, we have an activation section. It's the warm-up, but we call it activation because we want to create new neuromuscular patterns and sequencing. Then we move into what we call warrior strength, which is our dumbbell strength training, and core movement patterning, which is based on isometric and rotational stability to improve overall core endurance, but also decrease injury potential. Rotational stability core exercises are one of the number one ways to do that. After that, we go into what we call the rock your arc section. It's rep out conditioning for your accumulated rep count. So people are trying to accumulate as many reps as they can, work as hard as they can with body weight movements only within their own intensity, maintaining that steady state heart rate through to the end, then we go into a reset where we bring your heart rate down for recovery, and then we move into essentials, which is dynamic uh, and static stretching to get full recovery and, and hopefully maximize those benefits for, for mobility at the end. Well, I'm sure that it'll be, you know, I've seen you teach one or two of the classes, and, and for listeners, you know, PJ and I are kind of on the same conference circuit, so we kind of see each other. We see each other in various uh, cities around the country, right? Yep, every time we travel. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's one of the things, but when I've seen you teach this, I've always been impressed that it's thoughtful. You have a very uh, specific approach. And one of the things that, that, one of the reasons for doing this podcast is to try to bring listeners and try to bring consumers, help them understand the science behind a program. So it's not just somebody who looks good saying, do what I do, because I think we have too much of that in the fitness industry. Instead, I want to hear, I want to hear the thoughtfulness behind the program. So I really appreciate your putting this together. So besides Project Steel, what else do you have, what else do you have going on for you this year? So outside of that, I, um, like I said, within Form First, I guess that's kind of my one, my one area that, that I'm really, you know, experiencing and progressing in some new, like, technological love. But that entire company is going to be launching again within this first quarter. We have been doing full beta testing, and we're ready to, to officially launch, which is exciting. But people, it's, the, the best way to describe it is if you've ever heard of or utilized, like, Squarespace, right? It's like a white-label website company where you can come in, you can put your own pictures, your own logos, design, custom design things, change out things, uh, and nothing represents or stands for the other company. So people can come in and create their entire fitness-based app, whether it's for a personal trainer, like I said, a gym, a yoga studio, a physical therapist, and they can actually utilize every function to create their own structure, their own format, all of their own branding, their logos, their videos. You can insert all of your own custom content, and we don't have any branding on it. It's all for you. That's the best like way pretty, possible. It's, uh, it's like amazing. <laughs> I mean, I can talk for another hour on it. <laughs> well, I might I have to, to wrap it up. <laughs> I'll have to track you. I'll have to track you down and, and ask you about that. I might, I might be doing something for that. Well, if people want more information on Project Steel or, or want to be able to follow you on social media, what are your, what are your tags and, and where can they get, where can they get the info? So everything that I do, kind of all of my my ventures are all combined within my website, which is pjstahl, P-J-S-T-A-H-L.com, my website. And then my handle on like Instagram and Facebook is all at pjstahl for Project Steel. It is, the website again is projectsteelfitness.com and it's the same for all social media. It's at projectsteelfitness.com. 
Perform First, <laughs> the fitness app company is formfirstapps.com. And then for all social media, it's at Form First Apps, A-P-P-S. Okay, great. And I'll have all that listed below down the show notes. So listeners, if you want, I really, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you, PJ. I think you're one of the people we should be um, paying attention to in the fitness industry because you are an established veteran, but you really have a good idea about what you're doing and where you're going. So I want to appreciate, uh, I want to say thank you for your time and I appreciate what you're doing for us. Thank you so much. I'm, I mean, I can't even describe to you how, how exciting it is that, that you asked me to, to be a part of this podcast and to, you know, to hopefully help spread some more information and insight within the fitness industry and, and where it's going. Well, I don't want the quality of the recording to take away from the content of the conversation. As you can tell, PJ is someone who is, well, number one, he's really busy running a studio, starting a couple different companies. He travels around the country. You know, he's one of these speakers on the same, uh, we do the same series of conferences, the SCW Mania. If you're interested in seeing PJ or some of the other guests I've had on recently, Fabio Camana, Irene Lewis McCormick, I'm trying to think back, Nick Tumanello, a number of us speak for SCW, which is a series of fitness conferences. You don't need to be a personal trainer to take these. If you just want to learn more about fitness or just have a fun weekend uh, geeking out on fitness stuff, you can definitely check it out. You can go to scwfit, scwfit.com for details. Anyway, that's how I've gotten to know PJ. We first met a few years ago. I did a little project um, in LA with him, and we've just stayed in touch. He's one of these people I bump into, and I always appreciate the chance to speak with him. And it was really fun to, to talk in depth with him and hear a little bit about his background. I knew he'd been an athlete. I didn't realize he had been a diver in college, and I knew he had worked at a pretty high level. But athlete's performance, where he started working out for a couple of years, AP is, is really one of the top performance training centers, not only in the country, but internationally. They have, now that they're Exos, they have locations around the world and work with some of the top national teams in the world, including Germany, who won the last Soccer World Cup. But it's, it's the good thing is, what PJ is doing is he's taking that knowledge of how to work with top performing athletes and applying it to the average person. And that's what Project Steel is. So I'm going to have a link down to Project Steel in the show notes. Also, one of the companies that PJ works for, a company called Power Systems, sells commercial fitness products. And if you're interested in getting equipment for the home use, medicine ball, some resistance tubing, I really, I've always recommended this to clients. I really recommend going to a company like Power Systems because they make it for commercial use. If you go to a sporting goods store and, and get a piece of equipment there, consumer the consumer quality equipment just isn't made to the same standards as the commercial quality. You might pay a dollar or two more for the commercial quality equipment, but it's made to a much higher standard because it has to survive the repetitive use in a fitness facility. So I'm having a link down to power systems as well. So if you're interested in getting equipment for your home use, you can do that there. But it was fun catching up with PJ. It was great having that conversation. Hopefully it gave you a few insights into not only how you should be training just to move better, because exercise is movement. And it's funny, PJ is another one of these professionals. If you've listened to some of my podcasts, there's been a consistent theme with the number of the experts I have on here. We, we got to move better first before we can get stronger. You know, moving better is a foundation of any other type of thing we should be doing, any other goal that we should be doing in our exercise program. So hopefully you picked that out of today's conversation. 
Thanks for stopping by All About Fitness. If you have any ideas, I have a couple great guests uh, coming up. I have a great schedule coming up. Some guests I'm really excited about. If you have any ideas for people I should be interviewing or people you'd like to hear on All About Fitness, or if you just have any feedback about the show in general, please reach me at Pete at that's at, at Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. I'll give that one more time. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com is my email address. My Instagram handle is Pete McCall underscore fitness. Pete M-C-C-A-L-L underscore fitness on Instagram. And my Twitter tag is Pete MC underscore fitness. That's Pete MC underscore fitness for Twitter. Thanks for stopping by All About Fitness. I enjoy you having you join me for these conversations. And be sure to tune in for future episodes.